COVID outbreak surging in one more province in China. In my residential area, about 10 people, ages between 50 and 60, died in the past 20 days. Residents tell us the pressure facing hospitals and crematoriums. Pentagon pushing to deliver dozens of fighter jets to Taiwan faster. A U.S. lawmaker says what he would do if China tries to invade Taiwan. 70% of young Democrats against President Biden's handling of the Israel-Hamas war. What is the role that Chinese-owned app TikTok played? TikTok's parent company ByteDance in trouble with data theft. Its target, OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Don Ma in for Tiffany Meyer. The pandemic continues to spread in China, with hospitals in Anhui province overwhelmed. Residents revealed to us there is an increase in sudden deaths among the elderly, and both adults and children frequently experience severe pneumonia with white lung symptoms. A resident from Anhui told us on Friday that he had seen about a dozen makeshift mourning halls being erected in his residential area. Hospitals are packed with many children and adults showing COVID symptoms. Cases of white lung are frequently reported. In my residential area, about 10 people ages between 50 and 60 died in the past 20 days. People were discussing the unusually high number of elderly deaths during this period. The hospitals definitely don't disclose this information, and now they always cover up these things. In our area, both large and small hospitals have seen a surge in the number of people getting infusions. Some people repeatedly get infected, and when the symptoms become severe, they tend to develop white lungs. News about China's COVID outbreak have largely died down in recent weeks. Chinese authorities continue to report low numbers of infections and deaths, though on-the-ground residents' interviews often contradict the official narrative. Residents from central China's Henan province told us that their local crematoriums operate around the clock, struggling to keep up. They also said that the health system has been ordered to avoid reporting that the deaths were caused by COVID-19. The U.S. and China just resumed military dialogue, and Taiwan is a big part of the talks. The Pentagon is pushing to send Taiwan fighter jets faster, while a U.S. lawmaker is preparing, quote, sanctions from hell on communist China if it tries to invade Taiwan. Let's dive in. The U.S. military is trying to speed up the shipment of dozens of F-16 fighter jets to Taiwan. They are under pressure from two dozen Republicans in Congress. Bloomberg reported the U.S. Air Force told the lawmakers on Wednesday that they are trying everything to expedite the shipment. In a letter to the Pentagon earlier, lawmakers said they're concerned that U.S. commitments to Israel and Ukraine will delay aiding Taiwan. The U.S. has previously promised to help Taiwan modernize their current F-16s, but the program has been delayed nearly three years due to a lack of key parts. On top of that, the plan to ship new aircraft has also been delayed for more than a year due to software issues. The U.S. is required by law to provide arms to Taiwan so that the island can defend itself. Communist China sees the island as Chinese territory despite having never ruled it. Chinese officials are putting greater emphasis on Taiwan again. Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping told President Biden last month that he would take over Taiwan. Xi didn't give a specific date. U.S. officials are reacting differently to the threat from China, 
Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo told CNBC, quote, President Xi didn't say anything to us that he hasn't said before. At the same time, Senator Lindsey Graham warns that if China tries to invade Taiwan, he will be working with senators from both parties to achieve two things. First, create a robust defense supplemental for Taiwan. And second, draft pre-invasion sanctions from hell to impose on China. What does it mean that the U.S. and China are resuming high-level military talks? How significant is this development? And joining us is John Mills, retired Army colonel and former director of cybersecurity at the Defense Department. So, John, it seems like China and the U.S. are resuming military talks. To start off, what's changed now? Well, uh, thank you, Don. An honor to be on the show with you. It, it, this is... Uh... It's not totally clear here. So it looks like uh, the senior U.S. military officer, C.Q. Brown, our, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, uh, has talked to uh, General Liu, um, the chief of the Joint Staff Department, kind of his equivalent. So this is, you could say, a resumption of senior military-to-military -military talks that have frankly really not happened for many months. The American side seems to be the one seeking these talks. Um, uh, they're very uh, giddy about getting a resumption of these talks. Uh, the Chinese have shown a very a, a reluctance uh, to really engage. On the American side, this would be called confidence building. But confidence building presumes both sides approach these talks with goodwill and intent. And it's really hard to tell if that's true on, uh, on the other side. So you say China is reluctant to engage. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I, I think they feel in many ways they have the upper hand. And from the uh, Chinese dynamic and Chinese perspective, uh, their view is why even talk? Uh, they clearly have the momentum. Uh, America is clearly faltering from their point of view. Uh, the uh, the uh, absolute debacle of the evacuation from Afghanistan is still very fresh in their minds. And to them is a significant sig uh, signal that America is just not have their game together and is not really interested. So from their perspective, uh, they feel they have the cards. Why even engage in dialogue? So the fact that China did engage in a video conference call, uh, why? What is it for China? What's in it for China? I would say in some ways it might be to delay, confuse, obfuscate the American side and give the impression that they are talking and that this is a, a, a constructive dialogue. Whereas, uh, by all other appearances, uh, the, the Chinese Communist Party appears to be intent on a, a, a pathway of conflict. Everything that is going on in the world right now, whether it be Hamas, whether it be a, a greatly expanded uh, attack on merchant shipping in the Middle East, whether it be uh, Madero's uh, sudden uh, aggression uh, and aggressive talks about next door Guyana, all of these trace back to China. So China is using its proxies uh, at, in full force. And uh, so by gauging the dialogue, it, it gives America, the American Biden team, the impression that something constructive is going on, whereas if you have to, if you look at the world, uh, it doesn't appear very constructive. 
What is China's interest for wanting uh, America, so to speak, to think that it's being friendly with them, being engaged in conversation? It gives a smokescreen to real intent of the Chinese Communist Party uh, and everything else that is going on. Uh, preparations for a possible move on Taiwan, uh, preparations for the next brush fire. Uh, again, I mean, Ukraine, you have to look at Ukraine as, as the first step in the no boundaries agreement to collapse American leadership in the world. All right. Thank you very much, John Mills. Thank you, Don. An honor to be on the show with you. An alert for young voters, U.S. Senator John Fetterman says getting news from Chinese-owned TikTok is getting half-truth on the Israel-Hamas war. What is the other half? Fetterman spoke to Jake Tapper with CNN on Tuesday. They focused on why over 70 percent of young Democrats disapprove of President Biden's handling of the war. The administration has taken a largely pro-Israel stance. Federman warned that viewpoints coming from the Beijing-backed social media app are not reflective of history or reality. He cited the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel, saying the terrorist group started the conflict and murdered babies, children and women. He added, quote, it's been very clear that Israel would very much want there to be peace, noting that's just not possible so long as Hamas is allowed to exist. And speaking of TikTok, the app's parent company has admitted it's using OpenAI's technology to develop its own AI models. Chinese tech giant ByteDance says it's only to a very limited extent for some evaluation and testing process. This came after OpenAI suspended ByteDance's account over questions about how its GPT data was being used. OpenAI owns ChatGPT. It prohibits users from developing their own AI models using ChatGPT data. But The Verge reported that ByteDance is secretly using OpenAI's technology to train its own ChatGPT-like tool called Dobao. ByteDance says it uses only its own self-developed AI model to power Douobao. Douobao is available only in China. OpenAI services, including ChatGPT, are not available in China. Boeing sent a 787 Dreamliner to China on Thursday, its first delivery to the country since 2019. This is significant because it could signal a turn of Boeing's relationship with China. The communist country put most Boeing deliveries on hold for four years following two fatal crashes of the 737 MAX. Even after China cleared the 737s to fly again earlier this year, deliveries of commercial jets didn't resume until this week. Boeing executives have hinted that rising tensions between the U.S. and China have played a part in the pause. Yet China is the world's second largest aviation market. Boeing sent a third of its 737s to China before the pandemic hit. And the company estimates China could make up 20 percent of global airplane demand. China also needs Boeing to meet its growing demand for travel at home. Right now, its state-owned aerospace manufacturer is not enough to meet the growing demand. But Boeing is still falling behind its main rival, Airbus. Airbus has more orders from China. It's also set to double production capacity there. Last year, when Boeing was still partially frozen out of China, Airbus struck a $17 billion deal with China. The German chancellor visited China the same day. Germany is home to some of Airbus' most important operations. Boeing's shares jumped over 1% when the news broke, but were flat during afternoon trade. 
Now over to Europe. A Belgian politician was kicked out of his party. That's after he was accused of working with the Chinese spy ring for several years. Foreign Belgian Senator Frank Creoman belonged to a right-wing party. He served in Belgium's parliament from 1995 to 2014, at one point holding an important foreign policy position. Leaked messages show that he collaborated with the Chinese spy ring to influence European policies and harm U.S.-European relations on behalf of the Chinese Communist Party. A joint investigation by several European media outlets first uncovered the story. The Belgian politician allegedly received payments for promoting Chinese talking points and attacking critics of the regime. The plots involved disrupting a Taiwan-related conference and spearing researchers who exposed genocide in China's Xinjiang region. After hearing the news, Belgian Prime Minister Alexandre de Coup labeled China as, quote, sometimes very hostile. He warned that China seeks to buy influence to destabilize the democratic system and that the threat should not be underestimated. The prime minister also recommended removing the brother of the ousted politician from a sensitive parliamentary committee. Next, we would like to take a moment to share some of your comments and questions about our shows. Mark R. asks, In Hong Kong, do people who owned real estate, homes, apartments, and land still own it? Do they now have a 70-year lease on the home, apartment, and land like within China? So just an explanation to those who didn't know yet. In China, when you buy a piece of land, you don't own it. Instead, you only have property rights for 70 years, similar to a lease. Homeowners can own their houses permanently, but when the Chinese Communist Party wants to take back the land, it has the right to tear down the houses on it. That's why there are so many disputes in China between residents and authorities over forced demolition. It's a common practice in China. Authorities often decided to take back the land in order to sell or develop it for more profitable projects like building factories. Residents usually receive little to no compensation. Back to Hong Kong. Beijing has taken over the British colony decades ago, but the rules about land and property ownership haven't changed so far. Hong Kongers who own real estate properties still own them. If you have an idea for something you would like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. Coming up, two Chinese tech giants lose billions of dollars in market value under Beijing's crackdown on the gaming industry. Both of them have access to American investors. A Chinese resident denouncing the Chinese Communist Party. And those who speak the truth or defend their rights are all thrown into prison. Find out how a pro-democracy protest made her change her mind. Beijing's transnational repression in the U.S., specifically the attacks on human rights advocates in San Francisco during the APEC summit. A protest organizer tells us more, that and more after the break here on China In Focus. Beijing cracking down on the gaming industry. New rules are wiping off nearly $80 billion in market value from China's two biggest gaming companies. China has made strict new rules for its multi-billion dollar gaming industry. Regulators want to curb spending and rewards that encourage video games. Online games will now effectively have spending limits and face bans from giving rewards to players if they log in every day. Rewards also can't be given to anyone who spends on the game for the first time or if they spend several times on the game consecutively. The decision spooked investors and dealt a blow to the world's biggest games market, which returned to growth this year. Shares in gaming giant Tencent were down as much as 16% Friday, 
while its closest rival, NetEase, was down by a quarter. Beijing has taken a tough line on video games over the years. It set strict playtime limits for players younger than 18 two years ago. It also suspended the approval of new video games for about eight months, citing gaming addiction concerns. Last year was China's gaming industry's most difficult year on record as total revenue shrank for the first time. The crackdown formally ended in 2022 as new game approvals resumed. China's video game market returned to growth this year as domestic revenue rose 13% to $42.6 billion, according to industry data. Among the two Chinese tech giants, NetEase is listed on the American market. It opened its first U.S. studio in Texas last year. Tencent is not listed in the U.S., but has limited access to the market. Tencent also owns some video game studios on U.S. soil. A Chinese resident denouncing the Chinese Communist Party and sharing her experiences living under the regime. That's after she witnessed a pro-democracy protest. We sat down with her for details. To protect her identity, NTD distorted her voice. Not allowing people to speak the truth, frequently clamping down on people, and those who speak the truth or defend their rights are all thrown into prison. How dark, how pathetic. This is what living in China feels like to Qi Zhen. She chose to use a pseudonym to renounce her membership in the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP. She recently announced her decision through the Epic Times Chinese language website. That's after she experienced long-term monitoring and harassment by Chinese authorities. It started the day she witnessed the blank paper protests in her city last year. In our area, we had the blank paper movements. 30 locals were arrested, and some were beaten to the point of bleeding. There were surveillance cameras, and everyone there was put on a suspect list. I just took a look at what had happened, and then the police started questioning me. Now I'm afraid to go home. The blank paper movement she witnessed was one of the largest protests calling for democracy in China since the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre. As for what drove the movement, many lost their lives under three years of China's draconian pandemic restrictions and lockdowns. Millions more in China suffered under the lockdowns. One incident in particular triggered the uproar. In the northwestern city of Urumqi, a fire broke out inside a building sealed under lockdown. Ten residents were killed. Their deaths sparked an uproar over the CCP's lockdown measures. Protesters marched in the streets across many parts of China. Chinese people living overseas also echoed similar slogans and support. Chi happened to see one of those marches and filmed it on her phone. Chi told NTD that the police found her through surveillance camera footage, then hunted her down. Since then, they frequently appeared at her home, both when she was at home and outside. Police demanded that she delete all her videos and photos from the protest. Under that pressure, Chi chose to leave her home city and is now living without a fixed address. Zooming out. Why did she choose to renounce her Communist Party membership through the Epic Times website? The movement to quit the CCP began 19 years ago. More than 400 million Chinese people have since walked away from the party and its affiliated organizations. A bipartisan group of lawmakers is asking the Justice Department to investigate transnational repression. 
Specifically, the attacks on Chinese human rights advocates in San Francisco last month. They had gathered to protest the Chinese Communist Party's leaders' visit to attend the APEC summit. Joining us now to discuss the attacks, we have one of the protest organizers, Zhou Fengshuo. He's a human rights activist and was one of the student leaders during the Tiananmen Square protests of 1989. Zhou Fengshuo, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me. To begin, a bipartisan panel is demanding that the Justice Department investigate the Chinese Communist Party's role in these attacks on Chinese pro-democracy and pro-human rights protesters at the APEC summit recently. What can you tell us about those attacks? Uh, from what we know, these attacks are well organized and uh, the identify themselves. Uh, for example, by the red scarf on their neck, on their uh, head, and uh, they are triggered, for example, yeah, if uh, people wish Xi Jinping, and they act uh, in a well-trained sanction, for example, uh, they will use the flagpole uh, to attack, yeah, just seek uh, uh, yeah, to be doing like waving, and they use the flag to cover people when there is attack going out. So you cannot take a video a picture. No, there's no evidence. So it's definitely well-organized, coordinated attacks. And uh, we have seen people, the well-known CCP supporters in New York City, they're outside directing people. And we have video evidence of Chinese students uh, who said he came with busloads of Chinese students and they are paid by the Chinese consulate for their lunch. And in the same video, they said that people from New York City were, were paid with hotel and flights. And you did help organize some of these protests, not just in San Francisco, but also in other states. What is your message to those who maybe are facing pressure from family back in China or are seeing these cases of transnational repression? What is your message to them? Yeah, CCP rules Chinese people by lies and violence. And here in the United States, this is supposed to be our last resort to fight for our freedom. And we cannot be silenced because they are holding our families as hostage. We have to fight back to liberate them, not the other way, to be held as hostages against our own way in this free country. That, unfortunately, what's happening to most and people here. Zhou Fengshuo, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. And that's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Don Ma. If you have any feedback on the show or something you would like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for watching. See you next time.